To make your kiss incomplete I wanna talk to you When life reaches out and takes you Well, this is Fred Strap by Track Presents Steve Wonder Classics. Today we're going to be talking about the first track from the first album in this run, which is called Look Around, taken from the album Where I'm Coming From, released on the 12th of April 1971. On the track we have Stevie Wonder, and I think that's it. Um, on some of these other uh, uh, tracks on this album, we will have the Funk Brothers. Uh, Beans, as this was recorded in Hitsville, USA. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just Stevie and what sounds like a harpsichord. Uh, although I'm almost certain it is merely a uh, harpsichord sound on a keyboard. Uh, the right. track, as all the tracks are on this album, is co-written by Sarita and Stevie. And it is 2 minutes 45. And joining me to talk about today is Sarah Ifdecker. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Thanks for having me. I mean, a lot of people kind of dispute exactly when the kind of the classic period for Stevie begins um i i think very few people would pick this as the album as being when it actually happens right <laughs> um a lot of people would pick the next album and some might even go from you know talking book onwards um and kind of define it as that um but for me i think it's worth including this album simply because um this is the first album that stevie wonder wrote and produced and performed by himself um in as much as he could um, up until this point, Motown and Barry Gordy in particular had kind of forced him to record certain songs. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of his albums were kind of like half covers, um, you know, songs written by other people. He was only occasionally allowed to co-write his own songs. Uh, right. Of course, when he did, you know, you ended up with stuff like Signed, Sealed and Delivered or My Sharia Moore. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, he, he knew how to write a song. Um, but I think his relative youth meant that, you know, a lot of people at Motown wanted to kind of keep him as little Stevie. Uh-huh. As he got older, he obviously kind of resented that image a little bit. Um, you know, he kind of he wanted to kind of do more and he was kind of being stopped a little bit. And so with this album, with his his kind of contract coming to an end, uh, he had gone to Barry Gordy and he'd said, you know, obviously there's a there's a clause in his existing contract, which means after this album, he could just leave. Um, this album was actually released like a month before his 21st birthday. Mm. Um, and so he was saying to Barry Gordy, look, if you don't let me do what I want to do, um, you know, then I will simply just void the contract. I'll go somewhere else and I'll start doing whatever I want to do somewhere else. Yeah. And, you know, I will I will you know, sell millions of records for somebody else other than you. (laughs) Barry Gordy kind of conceded a little bit and said, okay, you know, do whatever you want on this album. And Stevie Wonder said, well, whatever I do on this album will be, you know, what I do on every future album. Like, there's not going to be any more interference. There's Mm -hmm. not going to be anybody else telling me what to do. Uh, There's a couple of songs on this album where he takes a few shots at at Motown and kind of makes it clear (laughs) that he's not going to be told what he's going to do. And the idea was that that Stevie would effectively be able to perform and produce as much as he wanted. And also he would be able to pick who is on his albums. Right. Um, And that was one important factor in the fact that Cyrita co-wrote all these songs. Uh You know, (laughs) they were they were newly married as this album came out and or as they were recording this album, should I say. And so, you know, they were basically together 24 seven and. You know, they like Sarita, you know, she she was a few years older than Stevie. And mm-hmm. I, I think some people at the time felt that she was influencing him to be a little bit more rebellious and a bit more independent. 
And she, you know, turned out to be quite a good influence on him because, you know, this would set up his new contract, right. um, which I'll talk more about when I get onto the next album, because um, it was kind of amazing that he managed to get away with what he got away <laughs> with. But I would say that, you know, um, the reason that I, I, you know, I'm covering this, not only because obviously, you know, Stevie Wonder worked with Prince um, on what has turned out to be Stevie's final album so far, you know, yeah. um, he hasn't released anything since 2005. But also, I feel like this model here of a 20 year old releasing you know six albums in the space of of six years um is pretty much the start of prince's career as well prince was 20 mm-hmm. when he released his first album same age as stevie is on this album um and by the time prince got to you know 25 which is roughly the same age that stevie was just before he started recording songs in the key of life um prince had negotiated himself a new contract and as part of that contract, he was going to be able to make a film, uh, something hmm. which Warner Brothers at the time didn't think he would ever do. Uh-huh. <laughs> they they put it in the co- they put it in the contract after he re- he renegotiated uh, around the time of 1999, and they thought that it was just there as like a vanity thing, like you know mm-hmm. eventually he'll make a film, um, you know in the same way that Elvis Presley made films, I guess you know like they weren't right. really thinking it would come to anything, and obviously Prince took advantage of that, and then you know made Purple Rain and made tons of money, Mm -hmm. won an Oscar, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But it feels a lot like, you know, Prince in the kind of the early 80s is kind of what Stevie was doing here in the 70s, you know, putting out an album a year. And to start off with these first couple of albums, they weren't, you know, highly critically acclaimed. I think people nowadays have kind of reassessed the first two albums as being, you know, good albums. Uh, but at the time, Rolling Stone were very dismissive of them. It was a rather surprisingly scathing review, I thought. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, something that I think all of the guests for the tracks on this album were surprised by was just how the you know the contemporary review of from Rolling Stone of this album was like this is this is too busy, it's too overproduced. Yeah. it's you know it's like Stevie Wonder's trying too much. Uh, which is kind of funny when you consider like how much ends, you know, by the time you get to Songs in the Key of Life, just how much stuff Stevie Wonder is doing um, is kind of crazy. But yeah, Vince Aletti at the Rolling Stone, he'll be someone who I mention in the next few albums because his reviews actually gradually kind of get more favorable towards Stevie yeah. as he goes on. But he always refers back to the last album as being an album that was, you know, not as good as this one. Um, you know, so by the time you get to Talking Book, I think he reluctantly acknowledges that it's a good album. Um <laughs> So, uh, but he but he always says on the on the reviews for the next album he says well at least it's better than where I'm coming from, <laughs> and on the reviews for Talking Book he's like well at least it's better than music of my mind. Um, so, but yeah, it's kind of interesting because I think these days people would say that you know this is this is an album that you know it's it's the start of Stevie's development as a as a mature artist and it's the start of him as an adult and you know kind of asserting himself and doing you know. Yeah, playing the drums, you know, you playing the, the, you know, doing all these backing vocals. Like everything on here is a bit more. I mean, it's it's slightly less because the Funk Brothers are still present, um, but you know, it's mostly Stevie kind of doing the production and everything, um, and writing everything. That was the kind yeah. of the first, you know, kind of big step. Um, the previous album, he'd kind of produced everything, but he only wrote half the songs. Okay. Um, and you know, so, but I know, I to me personally, I think. You know, this has some of my favorite songs, you know, by Stevie for this kind of era. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I think that this album is at least as good as anything, you know, that follows it. Although I would say overall, it's probably closer to like a, you know, like a, a seven out of ten over, yeah. you know, in terms of the tracks. And I think that's, you know, maybe the next album's probably like an eight. And then after that, it's, you know, ten out of ten for the rest of the decade. Mm-hmm. Um, 
until you get to the journey through the secret life of plants and then you're <laughs> you know just left puzzled as to what's exactly happening? what's happened to stevie wonder yeah um although you know this is this is something i'll bring up later on you know by the time by the time we get to songs in the key of life stevie has you know a daughter and he starts yeah. to have a family um and that is obviously something that you know in terms of prince you know prince was always in the studio all the way up until you know the final days before his death um, and I think one of the reasons for that was because Prince, you know, never did have a family, whereas right. Stevie Wonder has nine children. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like once you've got once you've got a That's number of children like that, it, yeah, it take. I, and I think he made the right choice as well. You know, I, I think you know as much as I would have loved to kind of had Stevie work at this pace for the rest of his life, I don't think it was ever going to happen. Uh-huh. And I think once he started to get a family, he prioritized his family, and that was the right thing to do. Yeah, very you know. reasonable decision to make. One of the main things why I, f- I feel like Stevie Wonder is, you know, probably one of the nicer people that anyone could ever meet. Um, not that I've ever met him myself. I have not met him, but I have been in the same space with him in that he technically attended my PhD graduation because he was getting an honorary doctor of music at the same time as I was getting my PhD. Uh. <laughs> yes, I think you might be the only guest who's, who's, who has that, who shares that honor. I don't know how many <laughs> honorary doctorates they have given to Stevie Wonder um considering the amount of music that he's he's put out there yeah he's um, gotten a few at least the wikipedia article indicated that their list was incomplete but it listed two that he'd gotten uh, one of which was the one that he received from my own phd institution in 2017 um yeah, there you go so you know I, but I, but yeah so this is this kind of this period of albums i feel it kind of you know, the first two albums are slightly lesser than the rest. And I think that also is the same with like Prince's career. His first two albums are generally seen as being lesser than right. what followed. And then he hit a run of three or four albums that, you know, most people kind of judge as all being, you know, at least kind of nine out of 10, if not 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I feel like this is a, a good comparison in terms of, um, you know, like kind of prolific musical geniuses. Um, yeah. Which, you know, is uh, obviously a, a fairly small field, I would say, to cover. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I, as we go through this, you know, the next kind of 68 episodes, um, I think you'll, you know, it's it's kind of clear that, that, you know, Stevie Wonder was achieving stuff, um, you know, at this point that I, I think very few artists can kind of um, lay claim to, you know, like even artists who've been going for 20, 30 years, it's hard for them. It's hard for me to kind of pick any other kind of, artist or band that has had a run as consistent as this um, yeah you know and i would include prince in that as well you know i, I think you know uh, there are some people who value some prince albums more than i do even <laughs> and i would say that I, it's very hard for me to think of a run of like six albums that prince did that were as good as this run of six albums yeah. <laughs> that Stevie Wonder did. um you know and i and I, I think it's very hard for any like there are groups that have kind of let's say been consistent in terms of their output and have been you know really good but they haven't had the kind of critical acclaim or commercial acclaim that Stevie Wonder had in the 70s. You mm-hmm. know, the public bought these records. The critics eventually loved these records. Came around. Uh, you know, they, yeah, they won, you know, he won Grammy of the Year three out of four years in, in, in a row. Basically, he had acclaim from every corner and everyone kind of knows these songs and, it, and it's yeah. kind of remarkable, you know. Uh, whereas there are other artists who maybe... They either have the critical acclaim or, you know, they sell a lot, but they don't have the critical acclaim. Like, it's very hard to find any other artist uh, that I could say credibly had this run. Mm-hmm. And I think the only other artist I think comes close maybe would be Radiohead. Uh-huh. Coming from the Benz through OK Computer and Kid A and Amnesiac. 
but then you hit like in rainbows and some people don't like that. And mm-hmm. then, you know, and also the sales for in rainbows were practically nothing because they gave it away on the internet and all the rest of it. So it's, it, again, it's like hard to match every single facet that Stevie did on, on this kind of run of albums. Yeah. Um, you know, but let's get into the track, um, yeah. you know, and it's, it's a kind of a, a, an oddly low key kind of opening. Um, you know, it's mostly Stevie and uh, a kind of harpsichord. There's a, there's a kind of influence that I think Cyrita has on Stevie's lyrics that kind of make them a little poetic. Yeah. Um, when he records songs by himself, the kind of rhyme schemes and stuff are a little simpler and a bit more kind of raw. Uh, in particular, once um, once there's a divorce going on, mm-hmm. and Stevie's songs <laughs> become increasingly about how he feels about that divorce, right? There's a there's a tendency for his language to become a lot simpler. Whereas here, there's uh, you know there's certain kind of rhymes and stuff that I I feel like it's definitely Cyrita's influence on him, um, being felt and kind of you know her maturity, uh, kind of helping him out, um, you know. Yeah. And in particular, you have this kind of you have this kind of thing where you have the in the verses, there's this this kind of I don't know, like just the the, the, the kind of we are idle strangers married to our dangers. It's such right. a kind of, you know, I I don't know. I in terms of like a you know like if it I I don't know if I I could call this a ballad or I don't know like the, the fact that it's got like harpsichord music and it it it's feels only... like he's attempting for some kind of genre where he seems to be lecturing, but yeah, it's an odd song i mean the the sound of the harpsichord at the beginning is really almost eerie and then you're listening to these lyrics and the into space we go to change our ways look around and you'll see ruins of the human history it almost sounds like he's this alien visiting the planet in the future and seeing how poorly (laughs) things went yeah and and this kind of you know we are charmed by living dazzling into giving all the waste we plan to ignore you know coldness is the virtue measured for the untrue love is used for something but what for like it, again, like it's it's kind of it's it's kind of very poetic, but at the same time, like you say, it is kind of almost like an alien visiting and it's asking, odd, "What have odd. we done?" And kind of in the early seventies, um, you know, of notes, you know, the EPA was introduced uh, mm-hmm. reluctantly by Richard Nixon. Um, so I don't <laughs> know if like environmentalism was something that was kind of beginning to get big in terms of. Um, any particular disasters like I can't I, I, personally I can't think of anything kind of you know on the level of let's say a flint right. in the early 70s that kind of that kind of pushed the debate along I'm not an expert on this and I could be a little off on the dates but my understanding is that one of the really influential texts related to this in this time is uh, Rachel Carson's Silent Spring yeah which is talking about I can't remember exactly what it was it wasn't that same kind of visible disaster but it was some kind of environmental impact issue that was really it was called silent spring because there was no bird song because all of the birds were being killed by something the corporations were putting in the water or air I assume and that scene is having a lot of influence on I think the creation of the EPA though this is very much not my historical period so this is going off my memories from things I learned in about high school well I it just it just feels like there's some like because this doesn't really feel I mean you know obviously it's not like a ballad or anything um, but it does feel a little bit kind of like a protest song yeah but uh, I'm not fully sure what is being protested um so, but I guess just this whole thing of, you know, look around and you'll see ruins of human history. Like, 
like it, it feels like he's attempting to say something um, about you know something that's going on in, in, like contemporary, um, but obviously now we're you know more than forty years removed. So I'm I'm trying to think of exactly what that could have been. I guess you know the fact that the uh, the what that river in Cleveland like set on fire. Right. Uh, I'm guessing that probably helped things as well. <laughs> um, but it just feels like there's kind of an environmental message here that's kind of. Um, I guess maybe 40 years ago it was clear of what he was referring to. Um, but this far removed now, it, it feels a little bit fuzzy as to, you know, what's going on. But then in even in the chorus, he says, you know, time is only floating in your mind and you will find searching for the time empty as your mind. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like it's about a specific thing, but just that, you know, this is something that will happen. Um, and, you know, he like you say, he's he's. I mean, I guess the kind of into space we go to change our ways is obviously talking about, um, you know, Apollo right. uh, 11 or 13, 11, 12, whichever, whichever one remember. landed on the moon. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it feels like obviously that's something that was kind of around then as well. Um, I'm guessing actually by 71, they've probably gone back to the moon at least a couple of times. Um, so this is this I is something so. that's kind of. Yes. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I'm not quite sure when Apollo 13 was, but that was pr- pretty much the end of people deciding right. to go to the moon. Um, but yeah, so like, I guess there's a, there, there is a kind of thing that, I mean, there was a, the, you know, there's a Prince song, um, Sign of the Times, where he talks about how, you know, there's tons of people that are starving, but we're sending people to the moon. Um, so mm-hmm. this idea of, you know, um, and uh, again, it's not an idea that I particularly like, but the idea of wasting money on going to space yeah. when there are, you know, people on the streets uh, when those two things aren't really related um and there's so much things that the money so that the government spends money on that they could not be spending money on in lieu of uh you know feeding people so yeah like spending money on a space program is not generally that kind of extravagant yeah. um when you consider the amount of science and the amount of good that comes out of it um you know and obviously you know homelessness and poverty is something that needs to be addressed but like ending the space program won't address poverty. Like these are two, these are two completely unrelated things. Yeah. It feels like there's a, just a tiny bit of that in this, but you know, not quite as much as there was in sign of the times. I remember covering that track and saying, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of the idea of Prince uh-huh. being like, let's, let's, let's end NASA so we can feed people because I don't think he was fully grasping the complexities of the issues there. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I think it's an odd opener to this album. Uh, but at the same time, it's nice that Stevie is kind of stretching his legs a little bit. Like he's not kind of just opening with a ballad, which obviously he could do in his sleep at this mm-hmm, point. Right. Um, you know, and the fact that Cyrita is kind of having this this kind of influence on him um, is kind of interesting because, you know, after this album, they're divorced, but they will still work together yeah. a number of times, um, you know, for the rest of the decade, including him recording two albums with her. <laughs> And which is really quite nice uh many divorced couples are not so amicable yeah i think the funny thing is like the reason they ended up splitting up is because he was working too much mm. and then once they split up his working too much actually benefited Cyrita. so uh-huh. i i think i think not being together actually helped their working relationship but you know working so much didn't help their actual relationship mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, it's it's a kind of low key start to the album, um, and I would say probably for me, um, you know, only about a three out of five. Um, I'm going to go a lot higher with my ratings as this goes on, but I think this is, you know, it's a it's a very short kind of just opening track, and it kind of sets out that Stevie Wonder is going to be doing something slightly different because I don't imagine that he could have ever written this song and put it on any of his previous albums. Uh-huh. You know, it, it just doesn't strike me as something that he could have done. You know, like. 
this kind of you know kind of weird poetic like yeah. hardcore <laughs> like lecture is something that I think could only really happen once he was starting to assert himself. Right. It's very much not what I expected and what I think of Stevie Wonder as sounding like. This is, I was really surprised in a lot of ways to hear this song, which I was not familiar with prior to recording for this. Um, so uh, if there's nothing else to say about the song, then let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Sarah? Yes. I have a podcast called Media Evil where I talk about medieval movies, books, and TV shows, and for the most part, why they're wrong about the Middle Ages, from my perspective as a medieval historian. And for this project, you can find us on Twitter at Stevie by Window. Uh, thanks for being my guest here today, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. And otherwise, goodbye. Bye.